Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. During a storm, the safest place for a ship is out at sea. Now, this might seem a little strange because it would seem natural for it to be tied safely to the dock. The problem is that during a really strong storm, when the wind and waves are really flexing their muscles, the ship can be repeatedly slammed against that same dock. And over time, it'll damage and potentially even destroy the ship. It's safest on the water during a storm because the ship was made to be on the water during a storm and during times of peace. Life can be much the same. While we may feel safe tied to the things we're used to or seemingly comforted by, we're actually safest in the arms of our Creator and His great plan for us. Now that still begs the question though, how do we navigate the waters of life and not sink? We explore that and more in our current series, Unsinkable, How to Navigate a Storm. Let's dive in together and continue the upward journey. Welcome Upward family, so good to see you this morning. You're looking well today, you doing well? Everybody making it? Yes, we are. Yes, you are. I want to welcome our online audience this morning. We have a great group of people every week that join us from several states and from several countries. They're here live with us. Folks online, we consider you all a part of our family. So welcome today. Can we give them a big hand of welcome and appreciation for our online crew who is here this morning? So good to see all of you today. Anybody going through a storm lately? Anybody feeling a storm? Anybody know that there's a storm blowing around us? I know you felt that. Uh, we are in the book of Acts chapter 27, and we're talking about how to survive a storm. How, in fact, you can even thrive in the middle of a storm. Our series is called Unsinkable. And I know that I'm unsinkable today because I have the unsinkable Jesus on the boat with me. Amen? Paul and 267 other people were on board this ship in the book of Acts chapter 27. They were sailing through the midst of a storm and God proved himself faithful in this storm. And we're going to talk about it today and we're going to help you navigate the storms of life with Jesus on your boat. We're going to have a good time today. Question, does anybody know anybody else that really gets into weather? Do you know anybody that watches the Weather Channel a lot? You know, there's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week channel on TV that talks about the weather. 24 hours, seven days a week. Even though there's an app for that, even though it takes about 45 seconds to tell somebody what the weather is, even though you can look out the window, <laughs> we have 24-7 weather channel. Now, I believe you can figure out how old a person is by how much they watch the weather channel. When the weather channel came out, I'm making people mad right now. I just felt people getting mad at me. My grandpa, when he could, he watched the weather channel. My grandpa loved to f figure out the weather. I'd go to my grandpa's house, and he had a, uh, I'm going to make you mad here again. He had a rain gauge on his back porch. And I'd go to grandpa's house, and he'd say, you know, we got an inch and three quarters of rain here last night. And I'd say, Papa, what difference does it make? Are you trying for more tomorrow? But he measured it. He was very careful. Here's what they do on the Weather Channel. In order to make weather entertaining 24-7, 
they have a feature called Storm Stories. And they will tell you a story that happened in the middle of a storm. Acts 27 is one of the storm stories of the Bible. Now, some people question, they wonder why the Bible devoted so much attention over a chapter to this one specific storm. And, and, and it's very interesting that this chapter in the Bible is the most detailed account in any ancient literature of an ancient storm that resulted in a shipwreck. The doctor, the physician Luke, was on this ship and they were sailing through a storm and Luke gave a first-hand account of this storm over a chapter and it's the most detailed description of an ancient storm and shipwreck that we have anywhere. Mariners throughout the centuries have looked back to Acts 27 to discover the ancient methods of dealing with a storm. The Jews didn't write a whole lot of uh, seafaring tales because the Jews were not seafaring people. If you read Greek literature, you'll see tons of writing about sailing through storms and sailing to destinations. So the Greeks would have loved Acts 27, but the Jews didn't so much. Why is it that this one chapter is there and it's so long and so detailed? I want to tell you this. Acts 27 is telling us that God is faithful during the storm. And that He will be a faithful God in every storm that you sail through in your lifetime. I love it. The psalmist David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen God's seed begging for bread. All throughout the Scripture, it screams and yells at us that God is faithful to His children when they sail through a storm. And you can be sure today that God is faithful and will be faithful to you throughout this storm. You're going to make it through this. Your family's going to make it through this. Paul said to the guys on the ship, if you'll stay on this ship, we're going to survive this shipwreck. And I want to tell you that today. If you'll stay on the ship with Jesus Christ, you're going to get through this. And you're not going to be any worse when you come through it. You're going to be better. I claim all the time in Daniel chapter 3, the three Hebrew children, they went through a fiery furnace. And I love what the Bible said. Jesus walked with them through the fire and preserved them through the fire. And the Bible says this, when they came out of the fire, their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. I can walk into a convenience store and pay for my gas in 30 seconds and come out smelling like smoke. But the Bible said they went through the fire together and when they came out of the fire, they didn't even smell of the fire anymore. We're coming through this storm, church. I'm telling you, we're coming through this storm and we're going to be better than we were when we came into it. You don't think this is some kind of crazy pep talk from some kind of crazy preacher. God promises to bring His people through the storm and He promises it over and over again. So in Acts 27, we see God is faithful in the storm. But we also get some very practical applications in our lives of things we can do during a storm. Now, the first thing I want to do with you today is throw a lie overboard, right? We're going to throw a lie overboard. Do you know, anytime you toss a lie, you have more liberty. 
Anytime you invite a lie into your boat, you're more in bondage. When you toss a lie away, you have more liberty. So we're going to toss a lie overboard this morning. And here's a lie. I hear Christians say it. I've seen books on it. I've heard preachers say it. But this is a lie. Here's the lie that we're going to toss out this morning. If I do God's will, everything's going to go smoothly. One of the biggest lies the devil ever tried to get on the church. If I do God's will, everything's going to be smooth sailing. No, friends, absolutely the opposite is true. You serve Jesus, things are going to go wrong in your life. You serve Jesus, some people are not going to like you. Christians do this sometimes, and new Christians do this a lot. We'll have somebody come to Jesus Christ, and it's this glorious, wonderful moment, and they've, they've come to Jesus, they've given their lives to Jesus on Sunday. The next Sunday when they come back, they've got a different look on their face. They come to me or one of the other pastors, they say, Pastor, what happened? I had a terrible week. And I thought you said if I served Jesus, everything would be okay. Well, I do say if you serve Jesus, everything will be okay. But I do not say if you serve Jesus, every week's going to be filled with wonderful goodies. And everyone's going to love you. See, when you were serving the other one, and, and this is news, you're, you're serving one or the other here today. You're either serving Jesus or you're serving the enemy. And when you were serving the enemy, guess what? You were floating downstream. You were going with the current. You were going with the culture. You were not hard. I mean, you didn't have any problems. It was not difficult for you to go downstream. If you've ever been on a canoe going downstream, it's easy sailing. But when you come to Jesus Christ and give your life to Him, guess what? He lives in you now. Now you're going upstream from some people. Culture is going this way, and you're going that way. You're going to have some storms when you serve Jesus Christ. But guess what? He will prove Himself faithful in the storm. And the storm will lift you higher than you've ever been lifted before. Amen, amen. Storms come, but we get through it through Jesus Christ. Now there's three things, uh, two things we've already discussed in this series, unsinkable. Two things we've got from Acts 27. Number one, let God drive. Has anybody learned to let God drive? Have you learned just to let God steer your ship? I saw a bumper sticker, license plate recently that said, God is my co-pilot. Even that's not good enough. Because if he's your co-pilot, you still have a steering wheel somewhere. I want to be in the back seat saying, God, you take charge of this. So lesson one, let God drive. Lesson two, last week, listen to the right people. All these messages build on the other ones. So if you've, not missed, if you've missed any of them, jump back and watch one online. Listen to the right people. Let God drive. Today we're going to look at the third critical action we must take during the storm. Here it is. You ready? Lighten your load. Lighten your load in the middle of the storm. Meaning, there's some stuff on your ship that you got to throw overboard during this storm if you're going to survive. There's some weight in your life that if you're going to make it through this storm, you've got to throw it overboard and say, wow, the ship is much lighter now. It can sail better now because it's not overloaded. Acts 27 verse 16 says, Luke is writing, we sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Cauda, 
where with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. This was a common practice that we learned from Acts 27, that they typically towed a lifeboat behind them. It was tied by ropes, and they let it float in the water. But during a storm, that lifeboat would capsize, it would fill with water, and it would become dead weight in the water. So they pulled the lifeboat into the ship to reduce the drag and reduce the weight. Verse 17 says, Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across to the sandbars of Sirtis off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. They were sailing below Crete in the Mediterranean. To the south of them was what is modern-day Libya. And off the north coast of Libya, there are some treacherous sandbars that could wreck their ship. The one thing you did not want to do during a storm in a ship was get stuck on a sandbar somewhere. Because if you were stuck on a sandbar, you couldn't roll with the waves and the waves would beat yourself, would beat your ship to pieces and you would sink and everybody would die. So you had to avoid getting stuck in the middle of the storm. Then verse 18 says, the next day, it's really starting to get desperate. The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. Now, the cargo of this ship was wheat. This was an Alexandrian ship sailing from Egypt to Rome. Rome purchased most of their wheat, most of their grain from Egypt. So this was a freighter ship filled with grain, and it just happened to be carrying along 300 passengers. Its primary purpose was to deliver the grain, but in order to make a little bit more money, they would sell tickets for passage on the ship, so they had all these passengers. The primary purpose of this ship was not carrying passengers, it was carrying grain, because they could sell the grain in Egypt and make money, and money's good. One amen. Money's good. The Bible said it's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. But it's wonderful to get a paycheck. Can I get an amen? It's wonderful at the end of the week to know you've earned your pay and you get a paycheck and you put it in the bank and say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Money's good. But here's what happened. When they got sailing in the storm... They realized their lives were more than money. And the grain in the ship didn't matter so much. And they started throwing grain overboard. Understand, friends, that was their profit they were throwing overboard. When they threw all this grain over, they didn't have any more reason to go up to Rome. They didn't have any way of making any money off this other than the passengers that were left. When you start throwing profit out the window, you are in a desperate situation. Do you understand that? And that can be a wonderfully good thing when you go through the storm that you realize what's important and what's not important. Money is good. Money has some serious importance in our lives. But money is not our highest priority. Life is more than money. Now, verse 19, it gets even worse. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. Now, they threw the grain first because they could do without it. When you start throwing the dining room table away, they're throwing furniture out. See, the deal is, if this ship was overweight, the ship 
would likely get stuck on a sandbar somewhere. So they had to reduce all the weight they could so that ship would sail light and higher in the water so they wouldn't get stuck and they wouldn't die. So they're getting increasingly desperate. First they throw away the cargo. Now they're throwing away furniture. The Bible calls it the ship's gear or the ship's tackle. Now they're throwing over stuff they used to steer the ship with. Do you sense a growing level of desperation? Not only did we throw away the bacon and eggs, we threw away the steering wheel. They actually did. They threw away that scholars believe there was a big beam that they used to hoist the sail of the ship that it would have taken the whole crew to throw overboard. And they believe that that's part of what was thrown over. Now everything's now floating around the ship. They've thrown their grain away. They've thrown away anything they have to steer the ship with anymore. There is a growing sense of desperation on this ship that everything's got to go or we're going to die. You know, a storm clarifies a whole lot of stuff in our lives. In the middle of the storm, we figure out that some things aren't so important. In the middle of the storm, we prioritize. In the middle of the storm, we say, I don't need this anymore if it's going to sink my ship. Because you see, you can get so overloaded. Here's, here's the truth of the scripture we need to hear today and a truth from this story. Overloaded ships often crash. If a ship's carrying too much, that ship can crash. I did a little study on this because I really wanted to sound smart this morning. I have to work really hard to sound smart, so I study a lot so you'll think I'm smart. Uh, cargo vessels have a term they call TEUs. And a cargo ship can carry between 10,000 and 20,000 TEUs. You may say, like I did, what in the world is a TEU? A TEU is a 20-foot equivalent unit, meaning one 20-foot shipping container. And that's how they measure the weight on a cargo ship because they have to load that ship properly. If they overload that ship, they know that ship has a high likelihood of crashing. If they load that ship in an unbalanced way, that ship can tilt from one side to the other and sink. So TEUs are critical because overloaded ships often crash. I read this I got this off the internet, so we know this is true, right? This is absolutely the highest authority in the land. I Googled it, and it said this. This is from uh, shipping, the shipping industry. They said, weight can become a threat to the ship's stability due to weather or damage to the ship. And they said, when a ship is in trouble, the last resort is to throw the cargo overboard. So these guys had come down to their last resort because overloaded ships often sink. And some of you are wondering right now, why in the world did I come here today? Because I'm not shipping anything across the Atlantic. You may have already figured out that we're not talking just about overloaded ships. What I really want to understand and what you need to understand and I do today is this, that overloaded people crash as well. People who allow their lives to get overloaded tend to sink. Some of you today are carrying more than you ought to be carrying. 
You're trying to do more than you ought to be doing. You know, we've got the American dream. And there's some good things about the American dream, but the American dream can be a little bit extreme. The American dream sometimes can be always do more, be more, work more. There comes a point when we can't do more. There comes a point when we can't minister to more people. There comes a point to where we can't have more followers. There comes a point to how many people we can actually love and care for and do life with. But many times, we want to take on more needs. I learned a long time ago, not long enough, but I learned a long time ago that I'm not the Messiah. You knew that already, didn't you? You've, you had that figured out. But some of you need to learn that you're not either. I've learned that I can't solve everybody's problems. I can't meet everybody's needs. I can't straighten everybody out. I can't solve every problem in the world. I can't be everything that everybody needs me to be. I am one person. I am one human being serving a great Savior, but He is the Savior and I'm not. And if I try to be Him, I'll crash my life. And if you're trying to be everything and do everything for everybody in your world and everything on your job rests on you, then you are very likely overloaded and you are very, very likely to be headed for a crash. Do not push this warning aside as something from some preacher. Understand God brought you here this morning. God brought you here online this morning to hear this message. You need to lighten your load if you're going to make it through this storm. God wants you to make it through it. He wants to carry you through it. But in order to get through it, you're going to have to toss a few things overboard. Amen. There's a famous wrestler. Anybody like wrestling? Any wrestling fans here? Come on now. There's no shame in liking wrestling. Any wrestling fans here in Henderson County? It's wrestling. Maybe some of you didn't understand what I was talking about. I'm talking about Ric Flair. Every time. Never fails. Talking about Ricky Steamboat. Anybody remember him? I know I'm old. We, I said Ricky Stemo in the first service, and one lady said, amen. And I really didn't like the tone of that. We have Pat Lida. She's a famous women's professional wrestler. You look her up. She's online. And if you mess with me, she will body slam you right here in this service. I like wrestling. I grew up cheering for Ricky Steamboat. And always wanted to see Ric Flair get beat, and he never did in my lifetime. There was a famous wrestler that you've not heard of because he wrestled in the 1800s. It was a thing back then. His name was Yusuf Ismail. His wrestling name was the Terrible Turk. In, in 1898, he came to the United States to wrestle Evan the Strangler Lewis in a wrestling match. I don't know about y'all, but I, I want to go back in time and see the terrible Turk and Strangler Lewis. Is it just me? And they made big money for this. The terrible Turk, he's, he's a real guy. I'm not making this up. His picture's online. And he was this huge guy that scared everybody just by walking into the room. 
He had this unusual thing. He always carried his money on him, and he always carried it in gold. He had this huge money belt he wore everywhere he went. And when he won a match, he demanded to be paid in gold and gold alone. He carried thousands of dollars in gold in a money belt. Now, I want you to understand, uh, that's a whole lot of weight, especially in 1898. Heavy. When he beat... Evan Strangler Lewis, he defeated him. He won $5,000 and demanded to be paid in gold. And they paid him in gold. He put $5,000 worth of gold in his money belt and got on a ship to go back home and was on the Atlantic. And guess what? The ship came into a storm and the ship sank. And the terrible Turk, as he was trying to get aboard a lifeboat, fell into the water refused to take off his money belt and drowned before they could save him. The stuff he was holding, holding on to sank him. i got to be honest with you. I wonder in the United States how much stuff we own or if truly we could say stuff owns us. Does the house own you? Does the car own you? If we continue to live lives of overload due to stuff and the need for more stuff, we're going to sink. We're going through a storm right now and we need to let it do two things that storms do. It needs to shape our values Of what's important. And it is, this storm needs to shape our priorities. What we're going to keep. And what we're going to toss overboard. Mom, dad. You and your family matter more than the bank account. The car. And the house. And all the stuff in it. Can I get an amen this morning? You and your family matter more. Let me tell you what your children want. Instead of a better car, a better home, a better life, they'd like a parent who's present. Instead of working extra hours a week, just so you can have a better emblem on the grill of your car. Now, if any of y'all have got a nice car, you drive it and you enjoy it. But if that thing owns you, then sell it. If that thing is driving you to where you have to be gone and you have to overload your life and you have to stress yourself out to keep that thing, then sell it. If the home you're living in keeps you so pressured that every moment you feel like you're going to drown or the stuff you have keep you being overloaded again and again and again, there's a solution. Sell it. Even better, give some of it away. You'll find your life a whole lot better and you'll find yourself living and sailing through this storm with the ship much lighter and higher in the water. Now, I heard a guy say this. He said, if you can name it, you can tame it. So we're going to name a couple things we're going to throw overboard here today. And number one is the overload of work. They threw the grain over. 
They threw the profit over. They were willing to take a smaller paycheck in order to survive. Now, I want to talk about work today. You ready for this? Now, this is where Pastor Andy makes a few people mad. So buckle up your seatbelt and get ready because I'm going to talk about a very important subject called work. Work is wonderful. Work is a blessing. Come on now. Work is a blessing from God. When he put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he didn't say sit there on that rock. He said work. Fill the earth. Replenish the earth. Steward the earth. Right? And Adam and Eve sinned. And some people have mistaken the curse of sin as the curse of work. No, God just told Adam. He said now work's going to be harder than it was before because this earth has fallen into sin and this earth is going to resist your work now instead of working with you. The earth cursed by sin is working against you. So when you farm, you're going to have thorns and thistles to deal with. That does not mean work is a curse. It just means work's more difficult when you're living in sin. Work is a good thing. Now I'm going to talk about three folks here this morning. Number one guy, he's unable to work. We ought to support that guy with everything we have. Somebody who can't get up and work needs to be supported by the church and by the community. Do you hear me today? Someone who is disabled and cannot help themselves. We are called to be the hands and feet of Christ to them and to love them and to serve them and to provide for them. Amen. We are a friend of the helpless. Amen. So the person who cannot work needs to be loved and supported. Here's where I make people mad. There are people who will not work. And those folks need to get up and start working. If you are able-bodied and you're able to do something, you need to do it. Right all over Henderson County and everywhere there are signs saying, now hiring and help wanted. And all the employers are saying amen right now too because they're trying desperately to hire people. And the truth of it is, as angry as it may make somebody, there's just not enough people in the workforce right now to move things forward. And if you're not working, I'm not here to beat you up this morning, but I can tell you what, it's a much greater feeling to earn a paycheck than to have something handed to you. When you go out and you earn it, boy, it feels good. So if you're not working, I don't hate you. But if you're at home floundering and wondering why your self-esteem is going in the tank all the time, get up, get moving, go to one of these places that have a hiring now job and work. Say, well, I'm overqualified for that. Work. I'm not flipping burgers. Work. Can I just say this to Upward and whoever might be listening? The people that are working right now, that's the third group, by the way. It's the people that are working. And let me just tell you something about them. Many of them right now are overloaded beyond their capacity. Many working people in our land right now, in our community and around our world, are doing the jobs of two or three people. And they're working hard. My wife was in the hospital a couple days here recently, and she's doing so much better. Thank God we're on a good path, and she's doing a whole lot better. Thank you for your prayers. It is so humbling to know that you're praying for us, and God is just answering prayer for us in a big way. We were in the hospital, and you can see it in the eyes of the health care workers. They are worn out. 
Every room is full. You don't walk by empty rooms. The emergency rooms are full. The waiting rooms are full. Healthcare workers, we ought to just take our hats off to them and give them a big hand of appreciation right now. If you've, if you've been, oh Lord, I am already over time. 1130 is just going to have to hang on this morning, all right? Um, restaurants, people working in restaurants are overloaded right now. I like to eat out. You can tell I like to eat. I like to eat out. And you'll go into a restaurant now and the help is diminished. There are not enough people that they can hire. And you got a server waiting on many more tables and many more people. Let me just tell you this. If you go in a place and the service is not the best it's ever been, those people there, they showed up. They are working. So do a couple things. Be really patient. And leave a big old tip. Big old tip. If you leave upward and you go out to eat somewhere, don't you ask the blessing over the food and then stiff them on the tip. Because we don't want them to know. <laughs> if you're stingy, love them. People that are working right now are overloaded. What do we do to offload work? Well, here's what you do. Your word is to have a conversation. Sit down with somebody that loves you. It may be a spouse, a friend. Sit down with somebody that loves you and say, take a look at my life. Do you think I'm overloaded? Now, some of you people have already been trying to tell you this, but you didn't listen. Can I get an Amen. I have a feeling about three people are going to come to my office this week and say, it's you. It's already happened. Say, how many things am I doing in my life? And help me prioritize the most important roles in my life and help me decide what I'm going to quit. You got to lighten the load. You can't do everything. Some of you may need to go to your supervisor. And let me tell you a great conversation to have with your supervisor. Do you know that many of us have extra tasks now that we didn't have before? And we're doing the work of too many people right now. Let me tell you a conversation that I believe a reasonable supervisor would really appreciate you having with him or her. Is to say, listen, I have a list of 15 things that I'm trying to get done. And I really want to hit a home run for you. Anybody want to hit a home run at work and you really want to be the best you can be? How many of you know you can't hit 15 home runs every day? You might be able to hit five. So you tell your supervisor, I want to do the best job for you that I can possibly do, but I can't do a good job with 15 things. But I believe if I had five or six, I could knock five or six things out of the park for you and do the greatest job you've ever seen with five or six. So help me prioritize my roles so I can get the most important things done first and done well. It's an overload of work. You need to sit down and talk with somebody and you need to be willing to receive some constructive feedback when you're overloaded. I don't want you in the hospital with a heart attack. I don't want you facing a mountain of anxiety. I don't want your body exhausted because you need your strength to be who God's called you to be. So unload the work. Now the second one, and I got to move fast, is the overload of worry. 
what's representing worry. When they throw it over the ship's tackle, when it's overboard, they no longer had things to navigate with. And I found in my life, I think I can control things by worrying about them. Is that not an illusion? Are you laughing at me or with me this morning? I need to know. How many of you have ever been there where you think somehow there's the line there that if I worry about it enough, it'll get better? No. We serve a God. I was praying to the Lord this morning early, saying, God, help us make it today. Help us be what we need to be, the people. God, show yourself the people. And God just whispered this in my heart by the Holy Spirit. He said, Son, I'm for you. Man, I'm 53 years old. I've been serving Jesus a long time. Sometimes I just need him to remind me that he's on my team. That God who's for you this morning says this, cast all your cares on me, for I care for you. Meaning, take the worry and unload it. You ever just unloaded something on somebody? Delegated? Delegation's a wonderful thing. Like, I can't do this. Here, you do it. God wants you to do, th- do that with him. God, I take this worry. I just give it to you because I can't do this anymore. I can't worry about this anymore. The devil ever wake you up at night? That sounds really spooky, doesn't it? The devil wakes you up at night. I know that sounds spooky. But you ever had the enemy just wake you up and you're worrying? You're just worried about what might happen, worried about the next day, worried about a conversation somebody said, and all of a sudden you're worried about 15 things and wonder why you can't sleep? Here's what you do, and I'm going to solve this problem for you today. If you'll do this, it'll solve this problem. Make a list of the things you worry. Right at the top, worry list in big letters. You've got to do this now. Worry list. Then I want you to list everything you worried about last night. Everything's keeping you awake. Make a list. There may be 15 things. Okay? And then here's what you're going to do. When you get them all listed, look at it, and then go up to the top and erase the word worry and write the word prayer. Because what you just did is you just turned a worry list into a prayer list. And and here's what will happen. The devil will wake you up to worry. He will never wake you up to pray. And if you start praying every time you wake up, he'll stop trying to wake you up. Because he knows when you pray, you kick him out of your life. He knows when you pray, you get the victory. So I'm just starting that. When I wake up worried, Paul said that. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything, Philippians 4. I'm unloading the burden of worry onto God. Who is able to handle it? Amen. You can't carry more work than you were called to do. And you can't carry more burdens than you were called to carry. And you weren't called to carry anything by yourself. Even Jesus couldn't carry his cross up the hill. Somebody had to help him. God's saying, accept my help. Amen. Amen. Let's pray today. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this day and the privilege we have to serve you and love you. And ask that every person here today would say yes to you. If you don't know Christ as the Savior and Lord of your life, you can invite him to forgive your sin. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior. And he will hear your cry. And he will answer this morning by changing your life. It's by faith. You say, Jesus, forgive me. Come in. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I walk with you. Jesus, I offload 
my worry to you. Jesus, I commit to saying no to things. I commit to some of the things, to laying them down so that my ship can sail through this storm. Amen. Someday, love y'all. Thank you so much. I want to thank this great team. Uh, we've done this. This is our second time this morning. Not just up here, but in the booth, in kids' ministry, student ministries, the tech folks. Uh, this is our second service this morning. In 13 minutes, we're going to turn around and do it again. And we're so glad this place is just filling up three times. Uh, it's a joy to be able to be with you on Thursday nights and on Sundays. Love you all so much. And just thank God for the family we have here. I'm so grateful. Let me bless you today. Jesus said these words. He said, I give you a gift. And the gift is my peace. And it's not as the world gives. I bless you today with surprising peace. With peace that will cause you to wonder, where did that come from? Then in the midst of the storm, God blankets you with his peace. I speak that over your life today. And I commission you now, go out of this place in the power of the Holy Spirit and make Jesus known wherever you go. Amen. God bless you. Love you guys so much. Thank you for being here today. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Upward Christian Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.